0: It's Thursday, May 4th. Welcome to Market Foolery, and may the 4th be with you. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Explorer, back from Silicon Valley, Simon Erickson in the house. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Chris, and happy pre-Cinco de Mayo. Yes, yes. The Star Wars fans are all excited today, and <laughs> anyone who enjoys a margarita is, is, yes, probably excited about Cinco de Mayo. Coming on a Friday, boy, I mean, we talk about this where retail companies lots of companies when they come out with the quarterly earnings particularly in the spring they're not shy about using weather as an excuse like well the weather really hurt it and sometimes that's real sometimes that's warranted but sometimes it's just a lame excuse nobody ever flips it nobody ever says boy you know why we crushed it this quarter is because of the weather same thing with um the alcohol companies. Yeah. Next whenever they're reporting, no one is going to be like, "Well, you know what really helped us? Cinco de Mayo being on a Friday." And it's kind of the perfect season for a holiday, right? It's nice out, you know, it's
1: springtime, the yes. temperature is nice. Perfect holiday.
0: You need something to wash away the pollen. Good <laughs> lord. Um all right, we we are going to talk about your trip to Silicon Valley and we're going to talk Tesla. We've got old media stocks, but let's start with social media. Facebook's first quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected—more than eight billion dollars in revenue—and they are closing in on two billion users. And the market kind of shrugged. They, you know, they, sure. They, it's just sort of like, well, they're one of the biggest public companies, and this was not. This was a expectation beating quarter and yet the market shrugged and and facebook
1: is no longer a startup i mean they have grown up they are, this is a huge company it's amazing that at this size they're still growing revenue at almost 50% year over year there's that much digital advertising that facebook and alphabet to be fair are attracting still in the market right now, which is amazing to me. Um, I think that you're going to have to start looking at what Mark Zuckerberg is positioning as his three- and five- and ten-year plans out now, where where he's laying out for the market, what are we going to be doing as far as building out these global communities as the next step, and then building out these global technologies as, as a step after that. That's going to be something I've got my eye on as an investor to see if Facebook can can grow from here.
0: And they need to do that because as they acknowledge the ad growth is slowing a little bit and I think that that might be as much as anything that might be why the market, you know, the stocks off, I don't know, 1% or whatever it is today, but I you know, in terms of I I have two questions about their business. One has to do with WhatsApp and the other has to do with payments. And it's essentially the same question which is where are we now with both of them? And in the case of WhatsApp, the fact that Facebook, every single quarter, is crushing it in terms of mobile advertising, that has pushed off further and further tough questions about, like, well, wait a minute, what are you doing with WhatsApp? What are you doing to turn that into a cash machine? Because you paid so much more for it than you did for Instagram. And the success in mobile advertising, the success with Instagram, has earned Zuckerberg and his team uh, the, the right to sort of um, you know those are big wins that they have there so it's earned them the right to sort of push those questions off but where is WhatsApp right now
1: well WhatsApp right now is is feeding the existing business that Facebook has which is an advertising company i mean WhatsApp as an acquisition was to get people onto the Facebook platform more or less that's how you see now 2 billion monthly active views. that's amazing and it's still continuing to grow quarter after quarter year after year The next step, um, which I think is more messenger than WhatsApp, but the next step for Facebook, I I personally believe, is going to be in payments and transactions. This is an advertising company today where people are paying to put their advertisements to attract users through targeted search uh, on Facebook today. But even more valuable to an advertising company is if that person actually buys something. If they actually facilitate a transaction over Messenger and actually buy something that they, that they did over Facebook. And you've already got 1.2 billion people using Messenger every month. you got the guy from PayPal, their president, David Marcus, that joined a couple of years ago. They're putting a lot of work into this that is still a very small part of the business. Compared to advertising today, that's what I've got my eye on for the next three years: is the increase in transaction revenue that Facebook is going to catch.
0: It, when it comes to the payments, I, I mean, who else is involved in that? Because they're they're not going down the road of opening the bank of Facebook,
1: right? And you've always had these giant networks: the VISA's, the uh, the MasterCards, kind of controlling the global payments space. But now you've got uh, a lot more peer-to-peer payments. Uh, PayPal has got Venmo, which is up 114%, I believe, year-over-year in the number of transactions, because people are wanting to post to a social media-type app that, that PayPal now has, uh, where you can see what your friends are, are, are spending money on, what they're splitting you know, the, the cost of pizza on, whatever it is they're doing transactions for. It's not just the same old plastic swipe the credit card when you're at the store anymore. Uh, there's the world is paying in things in new ways. More of that is going through apps on smartphones, and Facebook is definitely one of those.
0: All right, let's move on to Tesla, and their first quarter report was one of those Rorschach test type of reports, because uh, if you're I suppose if you're bullish on Tesla, you look at the fact that they shipped 25,000 vehicles, a record number for a quarter and their revenue more than doubled a year ago. And if you're bearish, you look at the fact that they posted not just a loss, but a loss that was I'm going to say, I'm going to use the word significantly bigger than expected. What did you see in their quarter?
1: Um, I think Well, let me start, Chris, if I may, with what the market sees in Tesla right now. Because, as you mentioned It sees it as a slightly smaller (laughs) company, because the stock's down about 6%. But the stock is out of touch with present fundamentals. Any any one of our analysts well, maybe not not anyone. The majority of of our Foolish analysts believe that when you're comparing the fact that Tesla is one-tenth the size of the larger automakers, they've never had a year of gap gap profits. they're now larger market cap than almost all of the automakers, it's it's out of touch, right? You can't look at this fundamentally and say, OK, we're going we're gonna to slap on a valuation multiple and, and value this thing. It's all in anticipation of the Model 3, which is coming out later this year for the first shipments that they're going to have and then continue through next year. And the premium that the market is placing on Tesla stock right now is in anticipation of those four hundred thousand pre-orders that they have for the Model Three, Tesla actually being able to fulfill those orders and then continuing at a run rate of nearly half a million vehicles a year. If that's the case, I, I can I, if they hit that and, and everything goes as as planned, I can make the case that Tesla can still be a multi-bagger from here.
0: So if they hit that, you look at the stock right now and say this is maybe not cheap, but cheap-ish.
1: Yeah, and there's well, I mean, like, let's look at the numbers for you. You say five hundred thousand cars a year. That's what Elon's predicting. Now you have to have some faith in that. That's a lot of vehicles. That puts it in. If you're going to buy the stock,
0: you have to have yes, some faith in that. Yes, yeah. and Elon,
1: of course, has faith in his own company. <laughs> no surprise there. But five hundred thousand cars, say forty thousand a car when you consider upgrades and everything else. That's twenty billion dollars of revenue that face that. I'm sorry, that Tesla can be doing. I mean, considering that they're only at about ten billion today. With the Model S and with the Model X, that's basically you know a thirty billion dollar a year business that they can be at. That's triple where they're looking at right now. You, you throw on um, ballparking maybe fifteen billion dollars of costs, operating and capital costs that they're putting into the business right now, and you could be a business that's that's churning out fifteen billion dollars of cash flow a year, and compared to uh, you know the, the company being worth fifty billion dollars today. If things go right, I'm not saying that it's going to be an easy road to get there, but there is a case to be made that Tesla still got plenty of upside.
0: All right, we've got uh, a couple of old media stocks to look at, two companies going in two different directions, and we'll start with the New York Times. Shares of the New York Times are hitting a 3-year high today because they added more than 300,000 digital subscribers in the first quarter, and I mean the stock is up nearly 50% in the past 6 months. I know this is a stock that you looked at for Motley Fool Explorer earlier this year, I mean, they're they're kind of getting it done, and I, I, I have to believe. And I didn't go through their conference call, so maybe they they got asked this question and maybe they spoke to it. But I have to believe the president of the United States <laughs> is inadvertently helping the New York Times with their subscribers. The Trump effect. I think so. Yeah. I mean, do, do, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. Um,
1: completely agree with that, Chris. I, I believe you were actually the guest star on that exploration right. in, January, in January, January. media. Yeah, this was one of the companies up twenty percent since we covered it, but. Our thesis on the New York Times was was a simple one: that you are going to convert these paper subscribers to digital subscribers. Uh, if you have a digital subscriber going on the internet to read the news, you don't have to put the ink and the paper and the delivery behind it. It's, it's pretty simple. Um, pulled up a statistic that when we looked at them in January, they had about one point five million digital only subscribers. I am sorry, digital subscribers. Maybe not digital only, but digital subscribers, and that's grown to two point two million. Here we are only about three and a half months later. Wait, so they've doubled digital subscribers in the last About 50% growth, yep, exactly. In in just only really three or four months. so They're really, like you said, getting it done. And you compare that to the business. I mean, print advertising down 18% year-over-year, digital advertising up 15% year-over-year, and you have a $0.05 a share loss last year and $0.08 a share profit this year. Um, the thesis worked, and it's resulted in the street being very happy.
0: Well, and that's the thing. When you, if you think about what are the costs associated with not just the New York Times, but any print newspaper, and if all of a sudden they decide to flip the switch and say, you know what, we're going to stop printing the actual newspaper and it's going to be digital. If you take those costs away, then all of a sudden the margins get a whole lot fatter. Absolutely. Um, on the flip side. Uh, and I don't know that we've ever talked about this radio company before, but um, we, we've talked about SiriusXM. There are a lot of publicly traded radio companies, um, and if you drive around in your car and you're listening to a radio station, you, you know certainly if you're a SiriusXM subscriber, you know who they are. But you know you'll hear iHeartMedia, Salem Media, Cumulus, and you'll hear you know once they do the call letters that and that sort of thing, they'll say you know WXYZ, you know a Cumulus media station. And Cumulus is the one I want to talk about because this is one of the biggest radio companies in America. They own more than 450 stations, and uh, Robert Fader is a guy who has covered the media in Chicago for decades. Um, and he wrote about something earlier this year that just sort of caught my attention, or earlier this week that caught my attention, which was um, Cumulus was laying off some people in Chicago. Um, WLS is the huge station there, and they've got others as well. But that's Sort of the big heritage, best-known station, um, and uh, I thought, "Wow, that's you know, that's odd. Why, like, why are they laying people off? Because I'm pretty sure their CEO recently got a bonus." And I looked it up, and this is something I tweeted earlier in the week. And I just I, I felt like, you know what? We <laughs> I'll get to why we're talking about it in a second. But so here's the deal with Cumulus Media CEO Mary Burner. Earlier this year, got a seven-figure bonus. Shares of Cumulus Media. Down eighty nine percent in the last twelve months. Yikes! Not really sure why she got that bonus. Uh, it's certainly not based on stock performance. And speaking of the stock, shares of Cumulus Media today trading for twenty seven cents a share, not dollars. Twenty seven cents a share. Our colleague Matt Argusinger pointed out it was just a few years ago Cumulus stock was trading around sixty dollars a share. Today twenty seven cents, and I and I bring this up because. We get asked this question as frequently, if not more frequently, than any other, just in terms of, what do you think about fill-in-the-blank industry stocks? And over the last year, I would say the question we get more often than others is, marijuana. What do you think about marijuana stocks? And our answer is frequently, well, stay away for now, because there's nothing legal on a federal level. And oh, by the way, they're penny stocks. Pretty much across the board, and uh, I just wanted to remind people that you know what, there are other penny stocks out there that are, on the surface, appear to be large, stable companies. As is, you could, you'd absolutely be forgiven for thinking Cumulus Media, with all of its stations, all of its assets, is a really stable business. Twenty-seven cents a share. How much money you got in your pocket? <laughs> a couple shares worth at least. Apparently, um, yeah. I think. I mean. I had written on Twitter. I think this might be just my two cents. I think this might be mm-hmm. the most financially irresponsible radio company in the industry. I, I might have to broaden that too. this might be the most financially irresponsible company in all of media. Quite a statement, Chris. <laughs> I didn't ask any questions of you <laughs> other than what do you have in your problem? Yeah, I just again, I just we we talk about marijuana stocks. We get that question all the time. We love when people look around and see trends and start that investor part of their brain working and it's a great question to ask but i just wanted to remind people like yeah there are other penny stocks out there
1: yeah and and, and i think that's reinforcing why we always look at the long term right it's it's not enough to just say oh there's a there's a hot new industry that's the marijuana penny stock industry that we're going to make a ton of money and you have to find a business that executes well and has a Viable business behind it that it's going to carry you to long term returns. There's no doubt about that. And we continue to stress that. I mean, it's the same thing we, we've always said for the Motley Fool. Perfect examples right there.
0: A uh, couple of housekeeping notes before we get to your trip. Uh, this weekend is the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. Uh, if you would like a preview of that meeting, check out the most recent episode of Motley Fool Money. Becky Quick from CNBC was our guest and uh, she provided a great preview because she's going to be one of the moderators at the big Q&A session on Saturday with Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. You can check that out. You can also check out the coverage. We're sending some people here from Fool HQ to Omaha, Nebraska, so we're going to have coverage of the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting this weekend on fool.com. Uh, if you follow The Motley Fool on Twitter, and it's just at the Motley Fool, uh, they'll be tweeting it out, uh, stuff on Facebook as well. Um, and secondly, I wanted to mention if you haven't checked out the Industry Focus podcast this week, this is a great week to check it out because they've been doing a game all week, sort of a essentially a puzzle. Every episode provides a puzzle. You can solve that puzzle, and you put them all together. And there's full swag. They can explain it much better than I can. But check out this week's episodes of Industry Focus. Really fun what those guys are doing over there. All right. Silicon Valley, you just got back. I waited all of, I don't know, three minutes after I saw you walk in the door to be like, "Hey, when can I get you in the studio to talk talk about your trip?" Um, why'd you go first of all? Well, we really looked at kind of who are some of the stock market's
1: biggest winners of the past decade? And we're trying to to pick apart what what did they do? what What do they have in common? And you know, some of them that we looked at, Chris, were Apple. We looked at Netflix, we looked at Tesla. Ten years ago, Apple releases its first iPhone in January 2007. They're now, they've are now they sold over a billion iPhones, stocks up 1,000% since then. The same month, as amazing as this might be, Netflix introduces that they're going to begin digital streaming. If you remember, this was very controversial at the time. Um, ten years later, they're now streaming to 100 million people across the globe. Stocks up almost 5,000%. And then even Tesla, five years later, releases the Model S electric vehicle. Of course, this is a, a huge deal because it's got a, an autopilot feature. It's got a, a screen interface. It's doing over-the-air updates. I mean, this is redefining what an automo- automotive can be. And it's up almost 850% since then. So we said, what are these what are these companies doing? This doesn't happen in a straight line, where those kind of returns are just this slow-moving, predictable graph that's going up and to the right every every quarter. There's breakthroughs that those three products are examples of, that they're hitting, that are very quickly um, creating the value of these companies in a very short period of time. And so We went out for, to seek what are those innovations going on today in Silicon Valley in the age of artificial intelligence, in the age of cloud-based software, in the age of all of these cool things that the internet is bringing to these companies to make smarter business models. We wanted to find what's the next wave of winners and what are they doing, and let's bring them back to Explore.
0: Nice. When are you going to be sharing all this? <laughs> so, so
1: next week, we're going to reopen uh, Motley Fool Explored and new members. We're very excited about that. And as part of it, we're going to be sharing our five biggest trends that we see happening in Silicon Valley right now, and the eight companies that we believe are the best positioned uh, to benefit from these trends and they are actual Motley Fool recommendations, so we'll be taking a a closer look at every one of those companies.
0: Nice. We're going to have a microsite uh, set up. Uh, We'll have the details for this uh, early next week on MarketFoolery, so uh, folks can access that report. One of the things I was thinking about when you were talking about Apple and Netflix, and this is something that we love to see in any company, in any leadership team, and it's a tough thing to find. It is, I mean, if you think about those companies at that point in time, part of what was so revolutionary, particularly in the case of Netflix, was that both Apple and Netflix had really great, stable businesses. The DVD-by-mail business was such a great business. And I'm sure that there were people, not, I know there were people outside Netflix, but I'm sure there were a couple of people inside Netflix who Maybe to his face said to Reed Hastings, "What are you what are you doing? What do you mean streaming video? Right? We've got this. We've got this cash cow right here. Why wouldn't we just double down on this?" And he had the vision to be like, "No, I, I, I'm, you're going to have to trust me on this one." And and obviously with the iPhone. I mean, it's such a tremendous game changer.
1: Yeah, and then we should mention too, Chris, that we're kind of looking for smaller, under the radar companies right now. We're, we're not going out and re-recommending Apple and Netflix and Tesla again. You know, we, those have had a, a great run over the last ten years. We're looking for companies that are a little smaller that aren't even household names yet for most people. Uh, but I think that five, 10 years out, they're, they definitely have the potential that they will be.
0: Alright, looking forward to that. Simon Erickson from Motley Fool Explorer. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.